Good morning, my name is Jonathan Kindler. I'm a, I'm a member here at Midtown. And um, it's, it's such a privilege to, to get to be with you guys. I'm part of the uh, Life Fellowship class and man, God has uh, just blessed me immensely to be a part of Midtown. Um, just um, the opportunity to, to be discipled and then get to, to disciples. My disciple here, Micah, I see you, bro. Yes, and man, oh, and Brad, I discipled you too. He waved. Man, I'm so thankful. Um, it's such a blessing to be a part of a body uh, that you get to be trained up and, and then you get to, to lead uh, other people in the same way that you were led. And, you know, um, one thing that God has been working on me as I, I'm, I'm part of the, the, the counseling ministry here at, at Midtown, and um, we're teaching that material in the Living Faith Bible Institute, and we have an intro to biblical counseling class, and we also have a lab. And as I've been studying for that, God has been showing me a lot of things about myself as well as a lot of things that we need from God's Word so that we can uh, give Him glory in our life. And um, something that um, I want to talk to you guys about this morning is how we can move through our problems into a posture of praise. It's so awesome how God uh, orchestrates everything, those worship songs that we heard this morning that victory has a name and it's Jesus. Man. You know, over the, the last 24 months, uh, it's been uh, kind of crazy in our world. Um, you know, we've been hit with this virus and it's, it's turned everything up to 11. You know, the world is crazy, but it's even crazier now. And, um, you know, we've all known somebody who's been impacted by this pandemic. And a pandemic, by def definition, is an epidemic of an infectious disease, and it spreads across the entire planet, and it affects a lot of people. And I want to talk to you this morning about another type of pandemic. An infectious outbreak that happens within one person, consuming them mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It is contracted when this individual experiences hardship or a trial, or a difficult circumstances, and they're blindsided by it. And this type of pandemic, it slowly creeps into their sense of self. It starts to impact the way they see themselves and the world around them. And they may turn to God when this pandemic hits, but sometimes when God does not respond the way that they want, they turn to their own solutions, and before they know it, their problem has spread virally throughout their entire life. Something that God has been teaching me over the last few years is that I don't like setting goals um, unless I know for a fact that I'm going to achieve it. Does anyone else have this issue? Okay, this is a problem because that means that I can only do what I already can do. You know, and it also really robs God of receiving glory in my life because it's accessible for me to do it my own strength. And so this is something that God has really been trying to work on me with and big and small ways and one of the areas that just practically you know I'm getting kind of old and I I want to work out more because I'm realizing that I don't just stay fit just regularly 
So I start, I've, been, I've been running over the last couple of years, and I had a friend that challenged me. He asked me if I was going to run this race that was coming up, and I, I told him no because I, I wouldn't be able to get the time that I wanted. And he challenged me because that fear that I was talking about of failing, of not meeting my goal, um, that's what really kept me from, from signing up for this race. So I signed up for it. I started training for it. It was the Kansas City Marathon that happened just a couple of uh, months ago. And uh, I started pushing myself to try to achieve a pace that would be difficult for me and out of my comfort zone. And I showed up for the day of the race and I was so excited. The first 23 uh, miles of this race was incredible. I think I have a picture. Okay, so look at this guy. <laughs> He's stoked. I was so excited. I was listening to music. I was praising the Lord. Like I was high-fiving people as I was going by. Around mile 20, my family was there and they were cheering me on. I was doing so well. And guys, when I hit the 23 mile mark, something happened in my body that I have never felt before in my life. The front of my legs, right here, okay, they, they shut down. It was like someone pulled an e-brake, okay, and they, they seized up on me and I was like shocked. And the guy that I was pacing with started creeping away from me and I was trying to stay calm, you know, uh, uh, but then, then the backs of my legs, they, they, they shut off too. And then it moved down into my calves. And by the, by the end of the race, uh, my whole body was shutting down. My vision was blurring. They call this bonking. Maybe you've heard of this before. I, in, in the runner's world, it's, it's when you run out of fuel. And I had completely run out of gas. And so, guys, those last three miles... <laughs> Look, this is, this is a dead man walking. <laughs> Don't show anyone this picture, okay? This is embarrassing. My face, like, you can't see it well, but there was snot, like, coming down my face. I was in the pain locker right here, okay? So, the, the last three miles of this race, I prayed more than the whole other 23 miles I had prayed before, which is kind of how we, we live, right? We're going through life and... And it isn't until hardship really hits us. You can, you can move. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Praise God. Man, it's like that in our life where, you know, I prayed so hard in those last three miles. My body was failing me. The plan that I had for me was not working out. And I was crying out to God, but my circumstances were not changing. And that is exactly what happens in our life. And we get blindsided by some hardship in our life and we cry out to God in our personal pandemic. But we don't hear from Him like we would like to. This morning, we're going to consider what to do when going through our own personal pandemic and you don't hear from God right away. What we find is when we acknowledge our pain and surrender it to God, he will remind us of his mercy through his promises. And because of this, we can move through our problems into praise, even when our circumstances don't change in our timing, okay? Today we'll be in Psalms chap Psalm chapter 13, so you can turn there with me. It's right in the middle of your Bible. And what we will find there is David, and he is in his own personal pandemic this psalm was most likely written during David's difficult years of exile after God anointed him to replace Saul as king. 
And now Saul was pursuing him to kill him. And David even shared this time in his life. We see it in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. He's telling his, his best friend David, he's telling his best friend Jonathan, who's also Saul's son, just how brutal this season was. He said, he said, There is but a step between me and death. He had been on the run for his life for a long time, and he was at the end of himself. His body was shutting down. And it is essential for us to consider today this for ourselves because just like David, we are often on the run. We have problems in our life. We have real pain that is consuming us. In this room, in our church fellowship, we have broken marriages, fractured families, addiction, diagnoses, pain from the past, fears for the future, and we have friends and family who do not know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like David, we have days of trouble where the world, our flesh, and the devil, they are seeking our soul. And as a counselor, that's what I I do for a living. I, I meet with people in the midst of this pandemic. Problems have taken them over. Today we're going to to glean from this song from David in just six verses. This is such a short chapter. We have a four-part prescription for our personal pandemic for turning our problems into praise. And at the end, we'll have a four-step exercise that I want to give to you guys that you can apply every morning. I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to jump into Psalms chapter 13. Father, thank you for your word, Lord, that... Your word is all we need for you to receive glory in our life. Lord, would you open our hearts? Would you set me aside so that we would receive what you have for us as individuals this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 13, verse 1, to the the chief musician, a psalm of David. How long will thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul? having sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? See, the first part to our prescription for our personal pandemic is to proclaim our pain. We need to proclaim our pain. This is to pronounce and announce what is happening in our life. We need to acknowledge what is happening in our life. David sang a song to the Lord in the first verse of the song, first four verses says, how long? How long? How long? If we desire God's presence in our life, we must first name our pain. David had four claims. The first claim was that he felt forgotten. He said, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? This isn't David's first time that he felt forgotten. The, psalm is, the psalms are full of sorrowful songs from David. In Psalms 77, verse 6, he says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? See, often David's songs began with proclaiming his pain. The second claim was that he felt forsaken. He said, how long will thou hide thy face from me? See, it wasn't just that he felt forgotten, but that he also felt that God deliberately abandoned him. As humans, we forget people all the time, don't we? You know, it's not deliberate necessarily, but it's just part of our nature. 
when we're not with someone all the time, we start to forget about them. You know, I grew up with uh, Pastor Brandon Briscoe, and this, is, this isn't like him. He actually has a ridiculous memory. You know, Brandon will often bring up somebody, and he's like, hey, you remember, like, so and Joe so-and-so? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't remember that guy. He's like, no, he lived on the cul-de-sac, like we cut through his yard to get through the creek. Like, no, he's like, he's, he's like he wore the carpenter pants, but he actually put the hammer in the holder. He had the Jordashes, not the, I'm like, dude, I don't remember this guy. Brandon always remembers, like, everybody, which is incredible, but that's not common. And this is not like forsaking someone. As a counselor, I hear a phrase a lot of times that this is, you know, when I think of forsaking, it says that I blocked them on everything. Have you ever heard someone say this? I blocked them on everything. What they mean is they, they, they're not just blocking their calls, but they're blocking them on social media. You know, if you mail them a letter, it's going to return to sender. They won't even respond if you come to their doorbell, right? Like, I blocked them on everything, and this is what David felt like God was doing to him, that he blocked him on everything. In Psalm 22, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from, me, from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. I like this verse because it, it, it gives us some insight on how David dabbled with different genres of music. This psalm is obviously heavy metal because <laughs> he's roaring, right? See, David, he felt abandoned by God. And this verse, you know, it, it probably sounds familiar because this is the verse that Jesus was quoting when he hung on the cross for our sins. And it is true that his heavenly Father hid his face from him because God is holy and, and Jesus was taking on the sin of the world. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David's third claim was that he felt frustrated. You know, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? David was battling internally. He was taking counsel, which means he was giving advice, and it was in his soul, which is referring to David's mind and his, his emotions. He was trying to regulate himself with all of his strength. He was trying to talk himself down, but he was only resorting in sorrow. His thoughts and his emotions, they were consuming him, and he was without what he thought he needed. His confidant wasn't responding to him. His protector wasn't there, and he was resorting to panic. He believed that he was alone. And maybe, you know, you've been there too. You know, when we, we suffer from affliction for a long time, you know, when we go through difficult seasons hardships or you know trials and it seems as though God has hidden his face that he's abandoned you oftentimes in our flesh in our flesh our patience they become de depleted when it comes to this it continues you know uh, we start to resort to our own solutions and the results of this is it always leads to sorrow as our solutions continue to fail, it's common to grow weary. We begin to believe that, that, that our circumstance is now just our new normal. This is just the way my life is gonna be. 
and our distress begins to turn in despair, and here we have no joy, and it leads us down into a pit of hopelessness. Maybe you are there right now. David's fourth and final claim was that he felt that he was a failure. He said, how long shall mine enemies be exalted over me? See, David felt that he was being dominated by his enemies, and David was being hunted by his brethren. And maybe you're not being physically hunted today, but you do have three very real enemies. Our first enemy is the world, and Satan describes this in Genesis 3 for us when he's talking to Eve. He says in verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. See, our, the world's philosophy is that we don't need a God because we are God. Our second enemy is our flesh. Even after we receive Christ, you know, uh, we're born again, our, our body does not like to conform into the image of Christ. Paul talks about this for himself in Romans 7, verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. We ourselves are the worst kind of enemy. We are a traitor to ourselves. We are a Judas. We are a double agent. You know, our final enemy is the one that oftentimes people, Christians, like to, to blame everything on. It's like, the serpent beguiled me, right? The devil made me do it. Our third enemy is the devil, but the Word of God tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, and principalities, spiritual wickedness. Satan and his demons, they are a dominating force, and we are powerless against them without the power of God and His Word. So just like David, we can be overwhelmed by our enemies to the point that we believe that we are a failure, and what happens is that becomes our identity. I am a failure. But what's true, guys, is when we proclaim our pain, when we acknowledge that we feel forgotten and forsaken by God, and we pronounce our frustrations and our distresses turn to despair, and we acknowledge that we feel like a failure, get this, this lets us know where we are in contrast to where God is. Do you hear that? It lets us know where we are in, in contrast to where God is, meaning, you know, if I were to invite you over to my house, right? In order to give you directions, I need to know where you're coming from. Hey, where are you coming from? We need to proclaim our pain so that we know where we're coming from. The key point to overcoming our personal pandemic is we must know where we reside. We must know where we live. The lies that we've been believing, how we've been attempting to manage our own circumstances and our own strength, we need to be honest with ourselves about where we are. We have to be honest about ourselves. We have to do our song of how longs. We, know, we must know where we reside. Verse three, Psalms 13, verse three, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. First, we need to proclaim our pain. And second part to our prescription for our personal pandemic is we need to petition 
our position. This is to present our case and plead with God. David's proclamation of his pain stirred up his prayer. See, if we desire God's presence in our life, we have to ask him. David prayed three things to the Lord. He said, consider me. See, God, will you, will you look at me? Will you pay attention to me? This, this prayer reminds me of my son. My son, Coda, I think of a picture. Look at this guy. <laughs> always, gets, always gets people. You've got to add pictures of kids. This is my son, Coda. He's 21 months old. He is so much fun. And he is at the age right now where he loves for mom and dad to watch him do everything. He wants me to watch him shoot his ball. He wants me to watch him jump off the steps. He wants me to watch him hit the cat. Like, he wants me to watch him, right? And what's so amazing, he goes, Watts, Watts, Watts. And when I give him my attention, you can see him fill up with joy because he knows that I am with him, that I'm with him. See, David shares this same sentiment. He says in Psalms 37, verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, thou hast known my soul in adversity. See, David is saying, watch me, God. Be with me, God. The second prayer that David had was he said, hear me. This word here isn't just that he wanted to be heard, but he wanted to, he wanted to hear from God. David wanted to talk with God. This also reminds me of my son. You know, uh, at, in the evenings, you know, we'll, my wife and I will have dinner. My son's right there, and we're talking about the day. And all of a sudden, you know, my son starts chiming in. And he doesn't speak much English, so he's kind of got his own language. And his volume knob just continually gets higher and higher and higher until we have to just stop because we can't hear each other. And we turn to him, and then he stops. And he just waits, right, because he wants to hear from me. And I say, I hear you, buddy. And he's okay, right? <laughs> he wants to be with us. He wants to hear from us. And David needed to be heard, but he also needed to hear from God. The third prayer that he had, he said, lighten mine eyes. Lighten me. Father, give me your perspective. My son does this as well. When he needs something, when his, you know, his ball gets stuck in the toilet, and he can't reach it, you know, or his truck is too high up on the shelf. He comes to me, and if I'm sitting down, he, he lifts my hand up because he wants me to get up and follow him. He says, help, help. David needed God's help. In Psalms 18, 28, it says, For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. See, God will be my help in time of need. When I can't see, he will give me his perspective and guys, this is how we ought to pray. God, be with me. I want to hear from you. Give me your perspective. And David shared in this prayer with God his fear. If God didn't respond, he said, Lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. The word lest, it communicates a fear of a particular consequence. So he's saying, consider me, hear me, enlighten me, or I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid that my enemies are going to believe that they beat me and, and that they beat you. See, the Bible provides us with a, a beautiful picture of fear. 
the fear of the Lord and this other fear that we can have, which is a spirit of fear. The fear of the Lord is, is beneficial. Man, it is a posture of awe of God and a reverence for his power. It's a proper perspective of, of his wrath and his, uh, who he is as a righteous judge. And when we fear the Lord, we live in a state of the fruit of the Spirit, right? We have joy in our life, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. This becomes our identity, but <clears throat> before David petitioned, he was living in a different place completely. He was in a spirit of fear, and we, we learn about a spirit of fear in, in 1 Timothy, in 2 Timothy, rather, 1-7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. See, God has not given us this type of fear, but what is true is when we are living in that spirit of fear, we cannot have the fear of the Lord. We do not have access to power, meaning we are not filled with the fruit of the Spirit. We do not have access to love, which is uh, to be self-sacrificial. Instead, we are in a mode of self-preservation, and we do not have access to a sound mind, which means our thoughts and our feelings often do not align with truth. When we proclaim our pain by acknowledging where we reside and we petition our position, we invite God into our circumstances. We ask him to be with us in our trial and to give us his perspective. Here we avoid the confinement of our deepest fears, lest we sleep the sleep of death, that our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil would consume, consume us in our troubles, our circumstances, they would destroy us. As humans, our foundational fear is that we are a failure, that we aren't enough, and that we don't matter. Our fears can become a fortress with no doors, imprisoning us to a fruitless life. Our fears can confine us. See, in the flesh, living the spirit of fear can actually feel effective. In the, moment, in the moment, it gives us this sense of control over our circumstances. Like a fortress, it protects us, right, from all the perceived dangers around us, yet it also imprisons us, and it keeps us from seeing God move in our lives, and this plays out in all kinds of ways in our life. You know, when is the last time that you had the opportunity to share your faith with another person? And then you opted out. You know, the reason you probably did that is because of a spirit of fear. We can tell ourselves all kinds of reasons why we didn't do that, but the real reason is probably because of spirit of fear, and, and the truth is, opting out, it felt relieving because you didn't have to experience the potential of being rejected. But then you also were robbed of being used of the Lord and an opportunity of seeing Him move in someone else's life. The key point Number two, to overcoming our personal pandemic is we must tell God about our fear. We must tell God about our fears. First, we must know where we reside. This is where I'm at. Then we have to tell God about it. Consider me. Hear me. Lighten my eyes. 
What happens next is actually incredible. In Psalms 13.5, we see a shift in David's posture. Verse 5, it says, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Do you guys see that? One minute, David is living in a spirit of fear, and all of a sudden, he shifts to trusting and rejoicing. David is saying, I trust you over my circumstances. I am confident in the fact that you are merciful and that you're kind and that you're faithful. I'm no longer afraid. I have joy. Not only have you saved me, but you are presently saving me. How did this happen? The third part to our our prescription for our personal pandemic is to prescribe his precepts. We have to prescribe his precepts. This is to put in place and promote his truth over our truth. To apply God's principles over our self-preservation. The remedy for our present fears is faith in God through his word. The cure for our present problems is trusting in his promises. This is all David needed. And as believers, we don't live on God's explanations. We live on his promises. God has already given us his profitable promises. In his word, it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. See, God has given us in his word the remedies for life so that we can move through any hardship or trial. Putting your faith in God through his word, it will challenge the false fears that you have projected on God. Do you guys know that we project things on God? We treat God like this blank canvas, like a, like a projector screen, like, like this. We project our fears, our ideas of him like a projector. And this is a problem because God has already told us who he is in his word. David projected onto God that he had forgotten and forsaken him, and, that's, uh, and that, that meant that David was a failure. And David, in his moment of fear, had forgotten the time when he was just living his life as a shepherd boy, and God guided a prophet named Samuel to anoint David as king of Israel. We see it in 1 Samuel 16, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, came upon David from that day forward. David had forgotten in his fear that God had already promised him victory. Victory has a name. But as David proclaimed his pain and then petitioned his position, he was reminded of God's mercy and salvation and was able to prescribe God's precepts. And just like David, we all have gone through hardships or we are currently going through hardships. And if you're not, then you will be going through a hardship, we have to know his precepts so that in our darkest hour, 
we can remind ourselves of what's true. God's word tells us that he cannot forget us. Isaiah 49, verse 14 says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. A mom could, could forget her child, but yet will I not forget thee? The reason is because, behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. The reason, believer, God cannot forget you is because he has engraven you on the palms of his hands. You know, this is why when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you shouldn't get their name tattooed on your body because it's kind of hard to forget them. I used to play in a band, and we went on tour with this band one time, and um, the band was giving the lead singer a hard time because his girlfriend just broke up with him, and he recently got her name tattooed on his knuckles. <laughs> it said, Penelope. 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 Last time I saw that guy, he got that covered up. See, God cannot forget you because your name is engraved on his hands. Because of this, we have access to him and his power. Philippians 4, 6, it says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God that surpasseth all understanding will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Today, at the end of our, our time together, we're going to extract an exercise from this verse so that you can apply that daily. God promises us that we can prescribe, prescribe his precepts. We will get his results. We get his peace even when our circumstances aren't changing. His word tells us that he will never uh, leave us alone. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You guys believe that? When we go to God and His Word, we are reminded that it isn't our strength that will carry us through, but it's His strength that He will hold us up. The key point to overcome our personal pandemic, number three, we must have God's perspective. We have to have God's perspective. And so often our present fears, they consume us so much that it causes us to have spiritual amnesia. We forget how God has carried us through the past. And the present fears feel so consuming that we can't imagine a future when God will not give us victory. See, the only way to have God's perspective through all of this that we're going through, is that we have to spend time with Him. Isn't this true? When you spend time with someone, you start to understand who they are. There's some people, it's like, I don't know about this guy. Like, I don't know how to figure this guy out. But you just get coffee with him, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that guy makes sense. This is true of God as well. When we spend time with Him, we start to see things from his perspective. So if you aren't daily telling God where you are, and you aren't daily reading his perspective and his word, when hardships hits, you will be prone to fall apart. 
You will likely attempt to address your troubles within your own strength, and of course, then you will get your own results. Verse 6. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. First we had to proclaim, then we petitioned, then we prescribed, and finally the fourth part to our prescription for our personal pandemic is to praise him for his provision. We need to praise him for his provision. This is to worship him for what he has done and for what he will continue to do on our behalf. This is the proof of his prescription. As we said earlier, the remedy for fear is faith in God through his word. And you will know God's prescription is working when you are worshiping. The best medicine for our problems is praise. Praising him being full of his joy, having his spirit, we will know that his prescription is working. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has given me much bounty. That word bountiful, it means to deal fully with, to give an abundance to. The same Hebrew word that we get bountifully from is also translated in scripture to wean like to wean a child. Weaning is the process of gradually moving a child onto solid foods from breast milk, and the Bible often uses weaning as a picture to describe maturity of our faith. And Paul describes it to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. He says in chapter 3, verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. See, Paul was saying to them, hey, you haven't been weaned yet, you're not mature enough yet. You're not, you're not able to go deeper in God's word yet. See, the Bible t- tells us in Hebrews also, he uses, they use this picture in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. When we have not been weaned, meaning when we have not spent time with God in his word, We are unskillful in how to apply God's word to our life in times of trial. We haven't learned how to digest solid food yet. We haven't sat with God in his word. Therefore, we are often unprepared for the trials that he has put us through. It continues in verse 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So God's provision for us, how he deals bountifully with us, is first through salvation. Right? David's heart rejoiced in salvation in Psalms 13.5. And of course, the obvious application of this is our salvation when we receive Christ. But also, it can be applied to daily deliverance from our circumstances. So God reveals his truth to us in his word over time as we grow from babes into mature believers. As we mature, we see life from God's perspective and we discern with his wisdom. We need to have our senses exercised. That word exercised, it's translated from the Greek word gymnasio, right? We, were, we need to work out in the word like we're at the gym. We need to exercise our senses, our understanding, like we exercise our bodies. We need to be the spiritual equivalent to the muscled up dude at the gym. Do you know this guy? 
the dude grunting in the corner. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we have no rest days. He's at the gym taking reps. He is no longer just repping the bar. He is stacking plates. We need to be spiritually swole. We need to be ripped in the word. So then when our trials come, we are ready to rejoice. This is what was happening with David. David could sing. David was no longer a babe, but was of full age. So um, on November 15th, uh, just this last November 15th, my second son was born. I, I brought a picture of him for you, uh, I think. Um, he entered into the world, and guys, he is incredible. Um, I am grateful to report, there he is. He's cute. That he is healthy, and his mom is healthy. And also, to report, in the last month, he has drank a ton of milk and done a lot of tummy time, and because of that, his neck is super strong. He's holding his head up like a champ. This is incredible, but my hope for him is that he will move beyond this. In order to overcome the trials in his life, he will need to advance past tummy time. David was by no means perfect, but we have the man's prayer journal in our Bible. And David was truly a man after God's own heart. We see time and time again, David proclaim his pain, petition his position. He prescribed God's precepts, which resulted in David praising God and, and, uh, for God's provision. And even when his present circumstances had not changed. Just like David, we want to be men and women after God's own heart. We need his perspective over our hardships. We need God to deal bountifully with us. We need to be weaned in the word of God. And in closing, I want to leave you with some exercises for your senses. You'll have it in your hand, handout. If you didn't get a handout, you can grab one on the way out. Um, it's, here are four practical steps to moving through our problems to praise, and it's based on what we read earlier, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Number one, don't allow yourself to be preoccupied with your fears and anxiety regarding your circumstances. Amen. Number two, instead, tell God everything. Be specific and be grateful because you know God is going to give bountifully. Number three, Assess if you have peace that is unreasonable, considering your circumstances. If not, repeat steps one and two. An additional assessment to be sure that steps one and two worked, consider if your thoughts and feelings match the character of Christ. Practically, this will mean your life displays the fruit of the Spirit, and you can find the side effects of that in Galatians 5.22 and 23. And finally, number four, to assure continued progress. Focus instead on the things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, and generally anything that is good, of good virtue and praise. I can promise you that if you apply these steps every morning, you will be praising God for his provision. But I also can be sure that if you don't, you will be prone to panic in your personal pandemic. Key point number four, we know we are overcoming our personal pandemic when our response to pain is no longer panic. 
You're no longer riddled with fear and worry because you know that God has not only dealt bountifully with you, but his, he is faithful to continue in his provision in his timing. When we proclaim our pain and then we petition our position to God and we prescribe God's word to our life, we will praise him for how he gives us his provision even when he delays. And this is how we can move from our problems into praise. So where are are you at this morning? Maybe you're in the last mile of your own marathon and you're weary and you're wounded. You're pleading with God and you're, you're singing your own songs of how long in your own personal pandemic. Or maybe you've never cried out to God before in your life, but you are exhausted and you need someone to save you. Today, my friend, today is the day of salvation. If you don't have a relationship with God, today can be the day that you can meet him. And if you do have a relationship with God, today is the day that you can live into his continued mercy so that you can move from problems into praise. I'm going to pray for us and and we're going to enter into a a season of worship and we're going to trust the Lord to deal with our hearts. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you give us everything that we need for you to receive glory from our lives and we trust, Lord, that you deal with our hearts as you would, Lord, so that we can leave here different than we came in. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen.